scriptures. I want you to take a look, if you can, at 1 Peter 3, 21. It says baptism. Everybody say baptism. baptism. We're continuing our series on the foundation or the blueprint of a New Testament church. If, you are fi- if you're wanting to be a part of a church, make sure it's a New Testament church. A church that believes in, trusts and believes and follows the pattern of the New Testament. Not a pattern of another region or another church or another generation, but follows the pattern of the Bible blueprint for the New Testament church. And we, we're going to look at that right now. The b- baptism, it says, which is a figure. I know there's a lot of text up there, but that's because this is the Amplified. Baptism, which is a figure of those saved by Noah's Ark, they were saved by water too. Anybody remember that? If it hadn't been for water giving them the buoyancy, they would have perished with the rest of the world. But baptism today does now also save you from inward questionings. Woo, thank you, Lord, for baptism. Inward fears. Anybody ever experienced inward fears? Not by removing of outward bodily filth, bathing, That's not what we're talking about. But by providing you with the answer of a good and clear conscience, which is an inward cleanness and peace. Woo! Wow. If I were you and I haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, I think I'd be like, okay, pastor, is that that baptistry ready? It's It's about 85 degrees right now. Typical swimming pool temperature for a hotel, okay? So we have towels. We have a Bible in there that's opened. We have a hair dryer. But think about this. This is what baptism does. It gives you the answer of a good and clear conscience, inward cleanness and peace before God. Everybody say amen. amen. And at that point in this scripture, we're going to say, let's pray. For the Lord to give us our heads like a funnel to our hearts as the word is preached and taught in the next few minutes. Okay? Okay? You're, I hope you all remember that the Bible does say that, that there's, these, are the, these are the blueprint parts that we've already gone over. Remember, we've gone over repentance from dead works. That was RPM, remember? Revolutionizing prior motives. Revolution, that's repentance from dead works. We've talked about faith toward God. Anybody remember faith toward God? And then we're not going to repeat that today. But next is the doctrine of baptisms. And let me tell you something. If you're going to have to talk about a doctrine of anything, that means the teaching. So I want you all to get your thinking caps on and be ready to have some teaching today. Let there be a teachable moment in our hearts today. Would you pray for that to be your experience today? A teachable moment. And let us see things that are wonderful and maybe that we've never seen out of the Word of God, even though we've been studying baptism all of our experience with God. God's able to show somebody something fresh and new that will fire you up and get you more committed than ever before to the wonderful foundational truths we find in the blueprint of the New Testament church. You ready to pray? Everybody ready to pray? Bow your heads with me, Lord. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to say what you want us to say. Lord, I really want you to get me out of the way and let your word flow freely, unfiltered, unfettered. In Jesus' name.
God, and I pray that you'd help us to get out of our own way. God, help us, I pray, to give open hearts and minds to you as our sacrifice today, ready and willing to hear from you. Thankful for the opportunity to be baptized. Woo, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're welcome to take your seats at this time. Be sure your sins will find you out. That's what I found out as a father about 27 years ago when I was carrying my son right there who just left the keyboard. And I know you would never think I'm old enough to have a son his age. But anyway, he... (laughs) He was a little baby, and my, my wife was distracted and went to do something at a baby store, and I was, well, there's a Starbucks right here. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to stop in and get myself one of those, what do you call them? Mocha. That's right, mocha. And, uh, boy, that was back in the days when I was, like, big on mochas, right? And I thought to myself, my precious little boy in his pastel blue onesie, he needs a taste. Why is it that we want our babies to taste our food? So, so I, I just very carefully inserted a little chocolate coffee in his mouth. And as quickly as I inserted it, it came right back out. But not as or- orderly. Because it flowed right down his chin and dribbled right on his pastel blue onesie. And I was like, oh no, his mom is going to find out. i got to hurry and clean this off. And I'm telling you, I tried every substance known to the moment to try hard to get that off, and nothing would work. So we had to go bouncing the baby back to mommy, and she's like, hmm, I wonder what he's been drinking. Yes, he had his first sip of baby mocha, and, I mean, first, first sip of mocha, and my, my offense was quickly found out. Now, what I did yesterday was I just googled these words and you're welcome to do it if you want to but try not to waste time right now while we're studying the word of God I googled these words what substance makes the most difficult stain to remove lo and behold the top one out of 42 million results it can't be wrong the top result of what makes a what substance is the most difficult stain to remove hot cocoa Because it's made up of the world's toughest stains. It's essentially made of chocolate, which by itself is already a big culprit for dark stains. Apart from this, the drink also proves to be a tough stain to remove because it has a strong combination of proteins, fat, and sugar. And for whatever reason, that's hard to get out of a cloth or fabric. So I kept looking, and I, I found out in my little study with University of Google. Why are some stains harder to remove than others? Here it is, because stains are typically pigments. They have a nasty habit of diffusing into things where they cannot be removed. Red wine, coffee, etc. They, they, they are different because they have the tannins that are in them that are harder and harder to get out of a, a, an object of fabric or whatever they've been poured out onto. And so I continued University of Google style, and I found out what powerful stain-removing ingredients there are. How do you get them out? 
Well, one of the very top ones is chlorine bleach and color-safe bleach, diluted household bleaches. I found out color remover. I found out dry cleaning fluid, petroleum-based pretreatment solvent. I found out mild dishwashing detergent, non-sudsing household ammonia, paint remover, petroleum jelly. And how many of you have already found out that gasoline works pretty good? But not on baby clothes. Highly don't recommend that. So what is it about these substances that makes them able to knock out a stain? What makes them powerful enough to remove something that is otherwise permanent? And the word is solvent. Solvent. A substance, if you look up the word solvent, it's a substance, usually a liquid. Listen to this. Has the power of dissolving other substances. Ooh, hallelujah. A dissolving or disintegrating influence is what a solvent is. When you get, anybody ever brush your teeth and get like the stuff that comes out of your mouth after you brush? Like the foam and it just goes down in the sink? Isn't it amazing the solvent power of a sink running with fresh, cool water? Whoosh, right down like it never was there. Wow, that's the power of a solvent. Have you tried just blowing it with your, with your breath down the drain? It won't work. A good strong wind with an open window, that won't work. But you just open up a, a you, you just turn on a, a, a faucet or you, or you bring out a cup of water and you just splash it and it's like it was never there before. That's the power of a solvent. Having the power to dissolve other substances, to disintegrate influences. And when I say those things, I just have to stop right here in this church this morning and say, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? What can make my life like it was supposed to be before I went into the troubles, the problems, the trials, and before I allowed there to be a stain in my spirit, can I tell you there is nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood shed on Calvary. Nothing but the blood that flowed from the wounds of Jesus Christ. The blood, the blood, nothing can wash away my sin like the blood. Somebody say amen. Amen. Would you just say thank God for the blood with me right now? Thank God for the blood. What are the foundational oracles or principles of the New Testament church? Repentance, faith in God. And then we have the doctrine of baptisms. And can I just tell you, if you look up the word remission, again, University of Google, you'll find 150 million results. The word remission. Everybody say remission. The top definition, top definition of remission is this. It's the cancellation of a debt. Cancellation of a charge or a penalty. And it comes from a Greek word that is pronounced aphasis. And that word remission or aphasis in Greek means Forgiveness. It means pardon of sins. And it means letting them go as if they had never been committed. You talk about 
power of the solvent, the solvent power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is so powerful that there is nothing more powerful and it reaches to the highest mountain. Can I tell you, wherever you may be today, it'll reach to the lowest valley. The blood of Jesus Christ will never lose its power and its power is the solvent power which dissolves and disintegrates and lets go of your sin and your guilt and your misery. And I'm going to tell you something, the blood of Jesus Christ has a way of knocking out help that is needed from the world that you haven't been able to get. Counseling that the world has given but it hasn't worked. Healing that the world has tried to give but it hasn't worked. Can I tell you if you'll join me and say I need something that is more powerful has got solvent properties and capacities then I want to introduce you today to the glorious word called remission. Thank God for the forgiveness the sending away <coughs> the solvency of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, now I just want to I just want to keep our, our thinking hats for on for a second. Acts 2:38 and Hebrews 9:22. I like taking a verse and putting it right here and then grabbing another verse and putting it on top of it. Stack them together and see what they look like together. Especially if they have a similar message. Now watch this. Acts 2:38 says, "Then Peter said unto them who were wondering how they could be saved, he said, here's how you are saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. So look at that verse. What has the power of solvency, the power of remission? In that verse. Do I have any takers? What has the power to remit, dissolve, disintegrate, and make your sins and my sins so far away as though they never happened? What is it? You know what it is? It's baptism, but not just baptism alone, because baptism is what happens when you dive into a pool. Did you know that? You're welcome to be baptized in Hickory Dickory Dock or whatever you want to do whenever you're diving into a pool, right? But when you're really serious and ready to find solvency for sin and stain removal, then what you do is you say, what does the Bible say about getting rid of this stuff, sending it away, washing it off of me, washing it out of my insides and giving me a fresh new start, getting me back to my innocence? Literally rewinding time for you and giving you a brand new beginning. That's called remission of sins by the name. Everybody say the name. The name. The name. Woo. In the name of Jesus, we receive remission of sins by our baptism. So now we're talking about a substance that is liquid. I already went up there and stuck my finger in. That was not blood. I don't think anybody would be interested in getting in there if there was blood in the baptistry. I stuck my finger in there and it's pure water. So it's got a little chlorine, nice and clean. I wouldn't want to get in if it was blood. Oh my goodness. Well then what about this verse? Hebrews 9.22. Almost all things are purged with blood, and look at this, after the semicolon, can you read with me? Yeah. 
and without shedding of blood is no remission. So, 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 wait, 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 wait. How can I get son sent away, disintegrated, forgiven my sin? The blood. So where, where can I find a pool of blood? No, 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 that's not what it's saying. I want to just make very clear here today that the number one, the number one part of this message is the purpose of baptism. And the purpose of baptism, like we do up here in the waters, and we did last Sunday, praise God. The only, the, 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 the purpose of baptism is, catch this, and you might want to make a note of this, it is the only way to apply Jesus' blood. <laughs> Scriptures teach us there's a direct connection between the blood and the baptism. The writer tells us in 922, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. So we can see very clearly it takes the blood of Jesus. Already preached that, already talked about that. But then Peter in Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized and have remission of sins in his name. So we have two things going on. We have the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we have the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So how do we bring those together? We recognize through a little message like this today that your only hope and my only hope is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ stands as your only symbolic way of being completely recovered. And that is stepping into a pool of water and calling on the name of Jesus who shed that blood for you. And when that happens, then you receive the remission of sins. I'm so thankful to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ and baptism, they are not, they're not counter, uh, counter purposes here. They're beautifully connected. When we repent and we're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, uh, then I'm going to tell you something. Here's what's going on. We are baptized for the very same reason Jesus shed his blood. Does that make sense? So that connects the blood of Jesus Christ to baptism. Can I make that one point one more time? We need to remember this simple highlighted factor. We are baptized for the very same reason Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood for the remission of sins. And we're baptized for the remission of sins. Now, let me just tell you, if y'all get a little bit excited about what I'm preaching about today and you want to just stand up and shout and worship, be my guest, all right? I'd just like for everybody here not to leave here until you have a fresh understanding about the doctrine of baptisms. And, and how about a revelation? Now, now, we could talk all day about the purpose of baptism, but that's, that's enough. I, talked, I already talked about that. And this is teaching. Not every Sunday do we get involved in teaching so much as preaching of inspiration of the Word of God. But today I felt like this says doctrine of baptism. So let's teach purpose of baptism. What is the purpose of baptism? only way to apply the blood. And now, the principles of baptism. What are they? Two things. Kingdom access and ongoing cleansing. Those are the principles of baptism. Because here, here's the deal. So, I've, I've seen so many people say, well, I really am okay to get baptized, but I'm just afraid of what's going to happen after that, because I might just need to live right close to the baptistry. 
because I might need to get baptized again because I might have a bad thought or I might do a bad deed or I might go do something that I shouldn't say something I shouldn't have said. So how am I going to be able to live a life that sustains this idea and this decision? I have good news for you. When we are baptized, we are not only given access to the kingdom of God, which I believe is the first principle of baptism, because remember the Bible says, Jesus himself said, that we're born again of the water and of the spirit, and that connects us to receiving access to the kingdom of God. Jesus' words vitally bridged the here and the now with the vision and access to his kingdom. He said, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But then, now we've got to realize there's another principle, and that is that it's not just a one-time event. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, it provides ongoing cleansing. Wait, wait, wait. What do you, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, here, let me just show you in the Hebrews 10, 18. Just look at it. Real easy here. It says, when there, now where there is remission of sins, there's no longer an offering for sin. And that's true, because when remission is done, you don't need an offering for sin. So verse 19 says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood, the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Hallelujah. We go into his presence because of his flesh that was broken for us. And we have a high priest over the house of God. Now here's our clincher verse right here. Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When we are baptized, our bodies are washed with pure water. And can I tell you, when we have walked out of the baptistry, dried off and got our clothes back on and we're ready to go back out into the world that we're living in. We're, God, God doesn't do just a one-time thing. He's a God who says, I want to show you by example of the Old Testament that there was a regular application of the blood of Jesus Christ to those who were filled with faith enough to have a relationship with him and he sprinkled blood. There was a sprinkling that was happening. Sprinkling effect. That sprinkling was what he's saying here. We'll sprinkle your conscience. When you wake up in the morning and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you have a sprinkling. When you go to bed at night and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you have a sprinkling. And can I get a witness from somebody here who's been baptized 20 years or more? Can I get a witness from any of you who were baptized at least 20 years ago that'd be willing to stand up and say, I can tell you right now that I have a sprinkling effect on a regular basis. I can count on Jesus Christ being the one who is continuously cleansing my conscience and giving me freedom and washing away the day's residue Oh, I'm telling you, God is a God who is a God of his word. Sprinkled from a pure conscience. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome to take your seats. The power of baptism. We've already talked about the purpose, principles. Now let's talk about the power. Hallelujah for the power. It is the solvent for any stain of sin. Well, Pastor, you don't know about the sin I did. Back then, and I've been struggling with it ever since. You would not deal with the, the sin of others in my life that I haven't been able to go. The sin that, that has happened that no one knows about. The sin that, that, I've, that I've been involved in and that I just can't get out of. So, so, Pastor, let me just check out because I don't think that is powerful enough for me. Well, I need to stop you right there. 
and say that our work and our simple obedience, walking into the baptismal waters, hallelujah, has a way of cutting so deeply through the stain, like I preached about at the beginning, cutting through and dissolving and disintegrating that there is nothing that it cannot wash. There is nothing. There is no sin too great. Now, look, look, at, look at this verse with me in Revelation 1 and verse number 5. Could I get everybody just to zone in on the screen with me right now? Revelation 1 and verse 5. It says, Him who loved us. Yes, He's the faithful witness. Yes, He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the Prince of kings of the earth. Look at that last phrase. Unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Can I tell you that there is no sin that has not been remitted and has not been dissolved, but when we come to Him in faith, I want to tell you something. His beautiful, bright red blood that was shed 2,000 years ago, it washes away sins, and it will eliminate, and it will disintegrate. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if there was something so great as a sin that couldn't be forgiven, how in the world was God able to forgive the Apostle Paul's sin when he was Saul, who was a murderer and a prosecutor and one who went out and gathered together Christians and said, you Christians have got to get back to the Moses code because Moses' law preempts Christ. And if they did not con comply with, with Saul, then they were taken and many of them were killed. But you know what God said to Saul in Acts twenty two sixteen. Watch this. He says, and now, can you look at that in the New King James, please, team? I want you all, because this terriest doesn't really make as clear a sense as what it's about to say. Watch this, Acts twenty two sixteen, Because this is for everybody in this house right now. Why are you waiting? Well, Paul could have said, you know, I, I just, I've killed too many families, innocent people. I made fathers go to prison. They, I don't know. I don't know how I'm ever going to get them back out. I don't know. I've got to rewind time. I've got to go back through a whole career of, of being a man of prosecution. I've been the sheriff for Moses' law a long time. But you know what? He was told by the angel. Don't sit around and ponder and think and analyze and criticize. He says, why are you waiting? He said, arise. And I'm looking for somebody in this service this morning to do this. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. And everything you've done is gone. It's as though it never happened because of the remission power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul got up from where he was. He went down to the street called Straight. And he had a, the prophet of God baptize him in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, Paul became the most extraordinary influence in the Christian world. Writing more than half of our New Testament. And telling us how to operate and how to live and how to think and how to be God's people. It's because he was the man, first and foremost, who was willing to say, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to go to the baptism waters. And when he was baptized, the Bible says he had the scales fall off of his eyes that had blinded him temporarily. And I wonder if maybe somebody today needs to have baptism for scales of blindness to fall off of your eyes. 
Can I tell you the, sc- the scales of blindness? What were they, like, like a blindfold? Like, like, like kind of like opaque contacts? And God was showing him, Saul, you were so blind to thinking you were right and thinking the Christians were wrong. And you were blindly running through your, your, your background and your past and you weren't willing to confront your past and reconcile with Jesus Christ who stopped you on the road. But now, Paul, his name changes and he's called the name that is, the name that is ref- referenced by the Gentile world as Paul. He was Saul before because he was referenced by the Hebrew world as Saul. But now he's a minister and a missionary to the Gentile, non-Jew world. And his name is Paul. God changes his name. His name is now called Paul. And, and it's at the moment of baptism. It's not like God said, hey, hey, I'll make those scales fall off your eyes if you promise to be baptized. No, no, no. He said, it's in the very act. We find out by looking at the story, it's in the very act by being baptized. Can I tell you, I believe somebody's here today who's ready to, and sick and tired of not being able to see things like you really want to. Not to be able to behold things in the Word of God like you want to. Don't know how to read the Bible like you want to. Make decisions that are godly and righteous and that are healthy for you. Can I tell you, there's no better way to get your vision back than to be baptized when you're calling on the name of the Lord and following the Apostle Paul's example. Hallelujah. Musicians, join us. Let me just conclude by telling you it's very important that we recognize the process of baptism. We're teaching about baptism today, washing away our sins. So thankful for that. Now, some of you here today really might be on the edge of your seats, and I expect that to be the case. And if you're not baptized today, I expect to hear from some this week asking about coming together and having baptism ceremony. And we love it. We love it. But listen, let me just tell you, there is a process. It's a simple process. Shocking as it may seem, very few people have been baptized into the wonderful redemptive name of Jesus. The masses, kind of like Naaman in the Old Testament, can't see that baptism into the name of Jesus Christ is any better than the more popular formula, which is in the name, which is onoma in the Greek, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Here's here's the problem. People like that don't realize that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are titles. They're not names. And the name of Jesus is the name that brings those titles to a focus of identifying who the Father is, who the Son is, who the Holy Spirit is. And when we're baptized in the... Can I just tell you here today, we need to all understand that Jesus many times used similar statements to bring out truth. When he told his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, when he used those words, he was using words that are similar to the way he used language before. He made statements that brought out truth. Like, for example, he said, unless a man hate his father and mother and sister, he can't be my disciple. Remember Jesus said that? Jesus literally said that. Unless you hate your father, mother, and sister. But can I tell you, he said that, but he didn't literally mean for us to begin a campaign of hate. Rather, he was bringing out 
the simple fact that a man must love him above everyone else so much more above everyone else that in comparison it would be like a hatred because you love him more than you love your own safety and welfare you love him more than you love your next paycheck you love him more than you love healing you love him more than you love recovery you love him and he is the one who will provide those things but he wants to be loved and he demands that love he says and you don't love me you can't be my disciple so can I tell you the very same reason Jesus said baptizing them in the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Ghost was bringing out the simple fact that the name of these titles is his name. Luke confirms that in his gospel. If you look at Luke 24, 45 through 47, Jesus opened their understanding. He sent them out to preach remission of sins in his name. That's right. He said, remission of sins in my name among all nations. That's why Peter, beginning at Jerusalem, preached baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's Acts 2, 5 and 38. So, so here, here, I want to make sure everybody understands before we're done, that being baptized, outside of being baptized in the name of Jesus, is a baptism that challenges the words of Jesus. Baptism that is not compliant with the words of Jesus. So right now, would you close your eyes and start thinking about the way you were baptized? This is what sets Calvary Church apart as an apostolic church. We believe like the apostles believed. We preach like the apostles preached. We trust the God like the apostles trusted God. And we want to be those who are so obedient to the word of God that we do whatever it takes to make sure that everybody understands the glorious truth of the, of the first century right here in the 21st century. How were you baptized? Angels, I have one last point I really want to make, and I need everybody to listen closely. We're about ready to stand and invite you to pray, and I'm excited about baptisms today, and anybody that wants to come to this altar for prayer, you remember that when Lucifer rebelled against God as the bright, glorious angel. When he rebelled, he and all of the angels that were under his influence, listen to this, they were cast out of heaven. Before humans were even created, and there was even no tempter yet, technically. When they were thrown out of heaven, they were thrown out because of their influence. Not because they followed and they fell prey to a temptation that we know of, but basically because Satan was in charge of that group of angels. But you know what Jesus taught? He taught that when we enter heaven, we'll never be cast out. Oh, hallelujah. Have y'all ever thought of that before? If there was a group of angels that got cast out, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go up there and maybe get kicked out unless I have a really big uh, parachute, you know? No, no, no. Listen to this. The Bible tells us that we will never lose our, in heaven, our, in, our inheritance in heaven like the angels lost their heavenly position. Here is why. Watch this. Revelation 22. 
Look at this. I want you to look at it with me. Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. Watch this. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Whoa, I'm going to be in that number. And look at what it says. Verse number 4. They shall see his face and something the angels never got. Something the angels never had the privilege of. Something the angels never got to identify with in their personal experience, even as created beings. You and I have this incredible opportunity today to be those who have his name on our foreheads. I want 